Okay, we are live episode three, special episode marketing series, doing a bunch of these really great ones this year. Ryan Rouse, welcome to the show. He's the man when it comes to direct-to-consumer, which is what we're going to be talking about here, direct-to-consumer marketing. Welcome to the show. Thank you, brother. It's good to be here. Um, give us some context of where you're at now um, as far as brand and maybe a couple things that you did before this so that we just get a sort of a, a full spectrum of what you've been up to. Sure, yeah. So I started um, my own business. It was an online meal delivery company called Factor 75, knowing nothing about online marketing or, I mean, business operating, being perfectly honest. So long story short, I had to learn direct-to-consumer marketing, I pushed all the buttons from setting up email automation, running our own ads, um, a lot of it poorly, obviously, but got better at it. So that is my background. That's how I learned direct-to-consumer. Since then, um, I got a uh, master's degree, I guess you could call in direct-to-consumer. So since then, I've, I've worked with a number of brands, helping them with their direct-to-consumer and their e-commerce overall. And now I'm at high key running Amazon and direct-to-consumer. High key, look them up if you don't know who it is. I'm pretty certain you can confirm this. They have a pretty substantial direct-to-consumer business. We have a good direct, we have a very substantial e-commerce business and that's split up between Amazon and direct-to-consumer. Yeah. Okay. Anybody who's watching this who's in CPG, if you have questions about your direct-to-consumer business, which can be um, two ways, Amazon and website, watch this. We're going to just give you some value here. Take whatever you want from it. Um High key, give us what that product is if they don't know, so that we get an idea of how you're positioned on, let's say, your own website and or Amazon. Yep. So um, we're taking sugar out of our favorite snacks. So we started with cookies, mini cookies, um, but we're into chips now and we just launched chocolate. We have chocolates, but we just launched a couple of chocolates. So we're taking your favorite snacks, your favorite dessert, your favorite snack type foods that traditionally have a lot of sugar in them and making them with no added sugar. And in most cases, not any sugar. Okay. So indulgent type items. Yep. Um, and we're just going to say what it is. PI talk openly about it. Um, we're in the keto realm, right? Keto yep. and or low carb, even though you're no sugar, but that's the, the theme of it. Yes. So this is important for people. Market fit, market fit. There are a lot of people, and we're going to go into this, who are into and have been into low to no carb and or keto type dieting over the last few years. Um, and so there is a consumer that's out there. Talk to us about how you immediately knowing that are sort of activating your presence online. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really easy on a platform like Amazon if you're willing to go pay, and that's not to say you can you can afford that forever because that can get expensive if you don't know returning customer revenue and things like that. But in terms of initially figuring out if you have market fit, it's it's pretty easy to pay to show up high on the page on Amazon for something like keto cookie, right? And then figure out if, you know, do a lot of testing on the image that you're going to use on there to see. But initially that's, that's why I love Amazon as a starting point platform because you really can prove that out, knowing that there's high intensity search on something like that and then figure out, are people looking for this when they search that? And if they're looking for ours, will they buy it? Okay. Um, I'm going to kind of have to jump around because it's whatever's going to come into my mind as far as no. copy. So now we're going to talk a little bit about, um, and we can talk specifically on Amazon right now, even though I'm assuming it transcends on your website, sort of similar language and the like. 
how important is copy and give us some descriptions on what you're doing that somebody could pull from uh, with whatever they're doing. Yes, yes. Um, copy is important, incredibly important. And I think it's easy in the world of CPG to not give it the value that it deserves. So for direct consumer, we would take, we're in the process of, of, of having our teams work across both channels, Amazon and D2C. Absolutely the words matter and the words matter in terms of the benefits. So what are the benefits going to come from not putting sugar in your system or eating healthier? You know this as well as I do. So I think dimensionalizing to use such a copywriter's term, but dimensionalizing what that benefit would mean to that person in real life. Difference between Amazon obviously is something that there's going to be more of an SEO tilt, although we still want writing as if people read, but there'll be more keywords in an Amazon listing than what on D2C. So we would take that, we would write for D2C, our, our HK.com, and then the Amazon side would load in some more keywords than our D2C. Our D2C, we want to flow, real talking. There's less of a need for SEO there. We really want the benefits to be driving the copy versus on Amazon. There's going to be more of a need for SEO. It's going to be more beneficial. Uh, as far as you say, uh, hk.com, that'd be their website. Um, if somebody were to find you there, is it stuff that they should be thinking about top fold, right? Top of the website that has to do with that copywriting, meaning it might be a little different than Amazon, but you're assuming somebody found you there one way or another, could potentially be through an ad, which we'll get to, or they just um, organically found you. They knew of you, heard of you, and they went to search you. What is, what is it that they should be having at that top fold to grab a customer, make them sort of stay engaged on the site? Yeah, I think, I think you have to, A, build for first-time customers coming to your site. Write that for first-time customers. So what is that tagline? What is that tagline that we've all seen a million times, but are you doing it on your site where it's about them and about the benefits, right? So crave worthy snacks without the sugar. That's a, that's a benefit to the consumer driven statement versus we or I, you know, so many websites I think do talk about themselves. There's a time and place it's needed. The our story part of the website's important, but that above the fold has got to be about them. And what are they going to get from, what do you offer them that they might be looking for set in a succinct way? Uh, I, I want to, I'm going to repeat that because it's really important. It's, it's, it's like the, the biggest piece for, for this, right? Somebody sees an ad, which we'll get to also, and, or your website, Amazon, again, is kind of a different animal, but in your website, they, they, they have like five seconds, probably less three seconds. You've captured them. It needs to be something that is going to be serving of them, serving of them, Right. Say that tagline again that you, you had. We have crave-worthy snacks, delicious crave-worthy snacks without the sugar. So immediately, if I'm there, I want crave-worthy snacks. You know, we immediately think of these things, right? Cookies and, you know, and, and oh, no sugar. Another huge thing, right? Today, everybody, no sugar, no sugar. So it's, it's already... You've already set the, the, the customer's already been set up by everybody else. See, that's how I look. Everybody else has already done the legwork for you. The other, I don't mind, I hope you don't mind, 1,500 keto or low yeah. brands, of, okay, right, have already set it up. It, it was like, I, I don't know why I'm going to reference this. This is going to be so weird. It was like CrossFit. CrossFit 
boxes got the free advertisement by all the other CrossFit boxes. They were growing and growing and they were on social media and all these people were talking about, they didn't even have to advertise. So at least when you got the moment for that one person who was in your area that was thinking about CrossFit, grab them in, tell them about your community that was going to be, anyway, I don't know where that, just, that was just. I think that, no, no, it's a really important point, which is Let's almost think about this, not to, to talk marketing jargon, but on your website, you almost have to make the assumption that A, it would be first time customers coming to your site. So how would you change it versus it would be people who already know you and they're problem aware, right? They are aware of the problem they're trying to solve and they're looking at you as a potential solution. That's a very different above the fold strategy than someone who you think you have to sort of bring from A to Z. Like they, they literally have no idea. They're just shopping. And now I have to tell them why sugar is bad and that the stuff that they're eating has sugar in it and that ours don't. That's a that's a bridge too far. So if you just assume that by the time they got to your website, to your point, they've been educated by the market. That may, that isn't always the case, but you get the point, which is I'm going to make that assumption. And that's how I'm going to drive the sort of copy strategy and the, the layout strategy of the website. Um, have a stance on, on what you think those people are looking for by the time they get there. Okay. Uh, there's actually, this one could be a little longer because there's a lot of things that, I, that are just going through my mind about how to help anybody who's watching this, who wants to operate a, a D to C um, channel for their brand. Let's move right into ads, ads, Facebook and Instagram. Um, you guys do market on the platforms there. Do you have some set ads? You do. You put some spend behind those, correct? Yes. Yep. Give us one description. Maybe you have one ad that you can think of right now that's sitting on Facebook. What is it? What does it say? And what's it trying to do? Yeah. So I, I wholeheartedly believe that every ad that you put out should have answered the big questions of what do you do? Why do you do it? And how is the consumer's life going to be different? It doesn't have to be so literal in that you know you're just going through that script of someone. But in some way, if you can if you can get those points across, I think that's the storytelling in ads that all of us sort of need to incorporate. We all know UGC, which is just your customers or or people on your team, but but real videos of people trying your product and them saying it do work better than videos of us saying that, right? So we have a lot of um, relationships with influencers from from sort of they're very small to somewhat large, but someone that's good on video that can try the food for food. It's it's really interesting, right? Because you want someone to to try the product, to demonstrate the product. That's sort of advertising 101. But food is odd because they try it, they want to try it, but we have to cut them them like chewing out because we had one ad where someone, you know, we had a bunch of comments that it looked like she was choking. She was just swallowing, but you get the idea. So that's a long way of saying we really want um, people trying the food and then ideally just saying, hey, look at these. Um, I love my cookies, but I really don't want to eat as much sugar. I have these that are delicious because a lot of times you, there are, to your point, 1500 other competitors out there that some of them have very bad tasting product. These are amazing right? They don't have any sugar and they still taste great. Now I can have my cake and eat it too, so to speak. So something along those lines. I'm going to frame a little bit of that. Um, user generated content. You could get other people to make all your ads for you. 
And I like the way you, you, you had noted, there's some that are smaller micro influencers and some bigger ones, but the micro influencers are the best. I, I like those the best. I mean, Same. I talk often. Um, and you, you don't necessarily need to pay them. Um, it could just be offering them some snacks and the like. And then they're doing this super organic. You can tell the ones that are very real. They're like unpacking it. They throw it in, boom. In that 15 second clip, you, you may have engaged somebody um, the right way. It's somebody who just watches that video. And then of course you need to top it off with those things we talked about before, which is going to be the copy. Those, those five or six bullet points that you put in there that are going to help, right? That's what all this is. Help solve the problem for the customer. Um, I want to talk now a little bit about the costing and, and how this plays an effect. You've not gone back and forth like on LinkedIn a little bit. You know, yeah. I, I totally, I love all the stuff that you put out. It's just Thank value you. add. Um, but there's so many things. There's so many intricacies about direct to consumer that most don't understand. And then they end up throwing a ton of cash and they don't know why or there is something to be said about the product that you have and the cost of it, the actual, what am I selling this box of cookies for uh, or bag of chips or whatever it may be? How much am I going to be able to sell it for online? If it's 10 bucks, you have, that's an issue potentially because it's 10 bucks today to ship something. Walk us through a little bit, frame us around pricing and also dimensional stuff. People don't realize you've got a box and it's full of, you know, a lot of air, let's say, right? Yeah. Versus maybe a supplement, you know, these, these little, these little two pound bags of supplements that are in pouches that are 45 bucks. Oh, that's beautiful. Right. Frame some, some of this for yeah. us. Yeah. I think it's, it's, I think about it more these days around the fact that I don't think the direct to consumer sites where someone's going to come trial your product unless that's the only place you're available. And in CPG, that's really not the case. Um, it, there was a time over the last six years where Facebook and Instagram ads just came, Facebook just came out, the ads were cheap enough where you could make money kind of trying to remove friction and sending someone to your website and having them trial with a low dollar amount. Because in our brains, we say that the, the least amount of money that the consumer has to part ways with, the higher the probability they will, they will order. So we can, we can afford because cost of goods, obviously um, all the expenses for food and Bev products are very high relative to other industries, to your point, supplements. So there was a time where that worked. That's not the case anymore. So these days, I would I would think about direct to consumer as someone has already tried your brand. They've trialed it in grocery or on Amazon or at Thrive Market or wherever. They bought an Eaches somewhere else, and now they're coming to your site to buy. And I wouldn't let people buy place orders on your website that you lose money on before you've even paid to get them there. In other words just in fulfillment, the product cost of shipping and fulfillment. If you're letting a $10 order go down on your website or a $15 order, you will lose money on that before they even paid for advertising. So don't do it. And that sounds like blasphemy because people say, I want people to trial, but you need to keep your business open to get to the point where enough people trial you. So I would view it like I let $75 orders only on my website until the point at which we're profitable enough where we can go a little bit lower than that, because that's when we're going to try and open up scale, if that makes sense. 
Uh, it makes a lot of sense. And we could go so deep on this. Uh, that could be a, a show in itself, um, is demonstrating, maybe like choose five, I think it would be fun one time, five different products in different categories and like how this would or wouldn't work and just being factual about it. What a lot of people don't understand is it, some of these brands that may have capital, right? They, they raised a big, big round or whatever it may be. Those that came in know the financial metrics and it almost sounds wonky in the beginning. And just in short, they're, they're, they're burning cash to acquire the customers. Literally, they're, they're burning cash. They're acquiring, maybe they have a really great direct business. They're doing $5 million just in direct, right? 10 million, I know, but they're burning, um, they're burning 20%, right? So they're doing 10 million, but they're burning 2 million. It's because they have, they have maybe, hope, I hope they have. In theory, in theory, yeah. Put basically, you know, pen, pen to, the, to the paper on why after a certain time, it kind of moves into profitability. That is because they figured out how much it costs to acquire a customer. And they have proven that even though they're burning cash to opt in the beginning, might even be the second, even the third order, they're still burning. That that customer, if they came back the fourth time, is profit. Then they're counting on the biggest piece that they're gonna come back the fifth, sixth, seventh, and ninth time. That's a big thing to understand. And for 99% of us, it's not your business. True. True. Yeah. And, 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 and it's such a, I, I've been in that boat, you know, there's oftentimes you'll make a post on LinkedIn and you get a comment like, well, of course, that's obvious. If you've never started a business and don't know that you don't know these things, I had a finance background, started a business and didn't know you did economics. And, and so, yes, you read a blog post or hear someone, a non-nuanced take on going negative on customer acquisition, which is what you're saying. Be willing to lose money early in the customer journey is the, oh, but that's the asterisk in that. So you just said, I'm, I know how many orders the average customer places and how much is each of those worth. I know all my expenses related to that, which means the rest is coming to me. I'm willing to spend a portion of that on advertising to get the customer. The rest comes to me. But those, and that all seems straightforward if you've been in the game long enough, but it wasn't to me in the beginning. I didn't know. I didn't know how to run that math. And most people don't. And that's, that's okay. And not only is it okay, it just is. There's, there's no judgment associated with that. So you're absolutely right. You, you, you have to understand or make assumptions at a minimum on how long a customer is going to be with you and how much value they'll be to with you. Then you need to understand of that, how much you're willing to pay for them. And then the last part is, do you have the cash flow to, to make that work? Because it's one thing on paper to say they're worth in profit to us $70, I'll pay 40. That's totally cool. But finance better have a say in that because there's cash flow implications. You just said that might take five months. So can the cash flow of the business withstand that? Those are all huge variables to this whole just like overly simplified go negative on customer acquisition. Like there's a lot of levers inside that. Fantastic. Uh, this is um, good stuff. Um, I will say this one piece also that everyone loves to say, which is there is the one piece that we have no idea as far as the value on 
in continuing to market this way online, if you're spending, which is the retail piece, it's a, we will never know. Maybe 10 years from now, somebody figures out how to really apply some math to it. But for right now, which is, I know, but I'm only losing $2 on the acquisition. And I truly believe because of my distribution, physical retail distribution, that I'm making up for it there, which is because most assume, which they should, that most have seen an ad, never bought online. They didn't go to your website or Amazon, but instead they were walking down the aisle at Sprouts and they had a memory of your ad that they saw last week and they grabbed a bag. It's very true. So how do you quantify that? You, you can't, you just are optimistic. That's how I always, you're just optimistic that it's, that it's, that it's happening. Yes. I, where we have come and uh, I reserve the right to change our mind, just like anything else in this game at any given time, we believe in the halo effect. We are choosing how we're going to play the halo effect is you can't believe in the halo effect so much so that your D to C channel is taking in water. It's literally upside down because of halo. Like that doesn't work, but there is a halo effect. So how do we play it right now? Subject to change. We, if we are willing to pay $50 for a customer, let's just say we did all the math we just talked about. We know how much they're worth to us over time. We know how much profit we'd like to make from them. And therefore we say we're going to, we're willing to pay $50 per customer on our direct to consumer site. We would flex that to say 55 or $60 to account for halo effect. Right. So what that does is it brings down your contribution margin, maybe your EBITDA margin on your D to C channel, but it doesn't put it underwater. And that's, that's, I think a reasonable halo effect faith. That's just faith that it exists, knowing you're never going to quantify it. So good luck trying, but that feels like a reasonable way in some way, shape or form to just ease up the metric, your goal metrics a little bit on that channel to say, yes, we do believe this exists. We know we'll never find out exactly how it works. So this is how we're going to play it. We could go, uh, we're going to do a, a, a second episode of this one because there's, we could go deeper, but I like to keep these. We went even longer, but because there's just such yep. good stuff in this. Uh, Ryan Rouse, high key, check it out. Love it. Yeah, I said, check it out. Um, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for being on, man. I, uh, I really like this one. Same, man. Really enjoyed it.